welcome to the Redeemer Coast podcast. Our prayer is that this message will inspire hope, build your faith, and encourage you with God's purposes for your life. something that has to do with victory and thanksgiving and I want to take you to a scripture it's kind of it's in John chapter 6 verse 23 and it's uh, it's just right smack in the middle of a whole story we know it to be the story of the loaves and fishes the miracle of the loaves and fishes and so after that incident Jesus sent his disciples across the lake he came afterwards people are trying to catch up with him but I want you to notice in this verse, how John makes reference to that uh, event. You know, we would call it the miracle of the loaves and fishes. Isn't that right? When you talk about that incident, that event, if you would have been there, I would dare to say you would talk about it. You know, at the time when Jesus multiplied the, the loaves and fishes and fed the 5,000, that's how we would make reference to it. But I find it very interesting that John made reference to it. I'm just going to take this verse. Um, there came other small boats from Tiberias near to the place where they ate the bread after the Lord had given thanks. Now notice that John made reference to it as the place where Jesus gave thanks. Isn't that interesting? So obviously uh, the place where you give thanks becomes a milestone in your life. Amen. There's just something about giving thanks that I believe God is really interested in. Amen. Um, he even makes or he even uh, divides people into groups. He talks about the unthankful and the thankful, the offended and the thankful. So I don't know what group you want to be in. I know what group I want to be in. I want to be in the thankful group. Right. But it's not something that comes natural to you, especially in the environment that you and I live in, because half the world lives in offended state. Isn't that right? You know, most people, I don't want to say most people, but not in my environment at least, but, but if you listen to the news, if you pick up the spirit of the world, it's, it is an offended spirit, right? They have become disappointed. They are disappointed with God. They're disappointed with government. They're disappointed with their husband or their wife. They're disappointed with someone because they did not measure up to their expectation. And rather than being able to overcome through walking in love or uh, forgiveness or what have you, they have chosen to become of offended. And when you are an offended person, you're number one, an unthankful person. But number two, you'll always be a victim in your life. And I don't know about you. I don't want to be a victim in my life. I don't even want to learn to cope in my life. I want to be the victor, right? Because thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. Amen. So we're, we're giving thanks for the fact that he always, always, always causes us to triumph. So there, there's been, over the years, there's been a few milestones in my life that I can look back at and become very thankful because the Lord has caused me to triumph 
in some areas. Amen. And the first thing that I want to bring uh, to your attention, at least, is just to give you a little bit of my background. I believe if you know my background, you probably know a little bit about Ethan and Chloe that way as well. But <laughs> and that might be that might be a good thing. It brings me all the way back to my my you know when I became a teenager. You know I'm I kind of let you hang when I moved back to Holland. But I did move back to Canada. I saw the light. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. I saw the light, <laughs> and I moved back. And during the time, my my dad had bought a business, and we jokingly say about him, he did his best to go broke in the first year. And uh, so there was a very difficult time for our family because my dad did not know what to do. He, he was, you know, he had done everything possible that he knew. We were not believers. We were not Christians. We did attend the church. But how many of you know, just because you attend the church does not make you a Christian, right? I mean, I can, I can stand in my garden shed all afternoon, but it does not make me a lawnmower. <laughs> Isn't that right? So you can sit in church and that does not make you a Christian. But I thought we were. So I think my whole family thought that we just were because we would attend this church. But during that time, uh, because my, my dad was really at his wit's end, he did not know what to do. Some people invited him to come to this charismatic Bible study. Well, we didn't know what a Bible study was, much less a charismatic Bible study. But... They thought, well, we should go because they did not know what else to, to do anymore. They went, and you know what charismatics are like. They took two charismatic chairs. They put them in the middle of the room, and they, you know, and they, they were going to pray for them. You know, the way we're used to praying is you just have a silent prayer within yourself, right? But not them. They laid hands on them. They were shouting scriptures at them. They were kind of doing a Jericho march around the chairs. It looks like... <laughs> So, and they were, you know, raising their hands. And it was, you know, for my mom and dad, it was pretty wild. Uh, and nothing spectacular happened other than that my dad, he said to my mom on the way home, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I'm going to give my business to the Lord. So he could sleep for the first time in many, many months that night. Uh, all the pressure left him because he gave everything over to the Lord, his family and his business. So he came home and he gathered us kids. I'm the oldest of uh, six. So by that time I was about 18 or I think about 19 actually. And uh, so he gathered us kids around and he said, we're Christians now. Well, I thought we already were, but I thought, well, more power to you. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's everything changed, right? Like I, I work at the time at an agricultural college. I come home on weekends and I tell you what, everything had changed. It's they're talking about Jesus in the morning, Jesus in the afternoon, and Jesus in the evening. They invited me to their crazy Bible studies. I, I piously said, yeah, I'll come. I mean, I, I was, you know, weirded out by all of it because I didn't know what to do. They, they have their hands raised and singing songs. I, didn't, I became so conscious of my hands. I don't know what to do with them. I'm not going to stick them in the air because that's highly uncomfortable. So I finally put them in my pocket. So that's how uncomfortable I was uh, around them when they, you know, had their new life. But something did happen about a week after this event of them being prayed for. Um, somebody from Holland phoned my dad and said, Fred, do you need this much money? And with the exchange rate, it came to 30,000 Canadian dollars. 
which is the exact amount that my dad needed to get out of the hole. So my dad was secretly hoping that he would just loan it to him. But the guy said to him, uh-uh, he said, I'm not going to loan it to you. I'm gonna, just going to give it to you. Now, that's a miracle, right? That's a miracle. If you don't have $30,000, $30,000 was a lot of money back then. It still is a lot of money if you don't have it right now. <laughs> Amen. If you don't have it, everything is a lot. So, um, you know, so this man, this gentleman gave $30,000 away. It's, it's a dual miracle, not only in the sense that we had never experienced anything like it, but for a Dutchman to give $30,000 away, this, that is a miracle. They don't give anything away. <laughs> but I found out that's human nature afterwards, right? So that was, that was a dual miracle taking place. And so I'm watching all of this and I'm really intrigued by it because coming home, I come now home to a... Uh, an environment that's extremely peaceful, right? Where there used to be strife, now there is peace. Because my mom used to spend money quicker than my dad was able to make it. So, of course, there's friction there, right? And there's friction about other stuff. I mean, if finances is an issue, there tends to be a lot of problems and a lot of friction. So, uh, that's fixed. Because cause my dad's nature changed as well from someone who's a tightwad, who is a giver. He became a giver. Amen. He just started giving and it changed the business around. He learned about tithing. We had never heard of it. We had never heard of that. You know, we couldn't even say it. <laughs> so much less do it. So we, we learned about all of those things and it turned my, my dad's business around. Uh, it became a very prosperous business. It became so prosperous that he financed churches, pastors. He, you know, we were helped starting the church with that, with that business. So that's a blessing, isn't that right? When the Lord gets a hold of somebody's heart and does not just, you know, move them over, but just absolutely changes them. But I'm kind of struggling because they would take me along to their crazy meetings, including full gospel businessmen. They were going really strong, late 70s, early 80s. I'm not born again. I see what, what is happening in their life. I do like it for them. Uh, I like it for me, but I want it in a different way. Now, if you would have asked me what way would you like it to be, I would not have been able to tell you. But I just didn't like the way that they were doing it because it's uncomfortable for me. So they would take me to these crazy full gospel charismatic businessmen's meeting. And, uh, you know, this gentleman, one time he had a testimony. And he told us that not only had God, had God not only had blessed his business, but he knew that he's going to heaven. And I'm thinking, well, you know, I, I can believe that God blesses your business, but how do you know you're going to heaven? Because my understanding of the Bible would have been, you know, when you die, you go to heaven. If you, God likes you, you get to stay. If he doesn't like you, he shoots you off to hell. On your way down, you will not collect $200. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's how I thought. So I'm finding out, well, that's not the way it is. That's a transaction you must make on this earth. And this man already knew he was going to heaven. Now, I'm 19, 20 around that time. And that, you know, I was really uh, not just shy, but fearful, actually. And I'll tell you why in a minute. But I had enough courage to walk up to the man and ask him, how do you know that? I was, I was really irritated by what he said, that not only did God bless his business, but he already knew that he was saved. So I asked him, how do you know that? 
And what he said didn't really help me because he said, well, you just know that you know that you know. I don't know anything. So that does not really help me. But thank God there was someone there who knew the word. How many of you know that's very helpful if you know the Bible? Somebody knows the word because that becomes your authority. And if you know it well enough, it, it'll become, it'll be your final authority. Right? So he told me, he said, this is what the Bible says. If you confess or acknowledge with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and if you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you're, then you're saved. So I thought about it and I said, you know what? I said, I don't have problem. I don't have any problem with that. I confess that Jesus is Lord and I believe in my heart that God has raised him from the dead. You know, no problem at all. Well, he said, well, based on that, he said, you can now say that you're saved. I said, oh, no, 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 no. I don't want to do that because then I would be arrogant like you are. Because I thought, I thought this real, I thought this a real arrogant statement, right? I, I know I'm, I'm thinking, who do you think you are? You know, God blesses your business and you're going to heaven. I guess you got the best of both worlds, right? I thought he was just so arrogant. And so I said, I don't want to do that because it would make me arrogant like, like you guys, I said. I don't want to do that. So um, I went around the mountain for about six months. It took me a long time to figure all of this out, right? And I'm, I'm on this search. I want to be saved, you know. I want to be saved. I want to get there, but uh, I want to do it on my own way. And I really don't know what that meant, but I'm just finding that out, right? So, but... Every time I'm asking serious people some serious questions, it would always bring me back to Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, if you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, then you're saved. And I would normally say, yeah, but I believe that, but I don't want to do that last part because then I'm arrogant, then I'm assuming things. I don't want to assume things. I just want something, and I don't know what. So finally, after six months, somebody got just so frustrated with me and just said, just say it. <laughs> now, he said it really loud. He kind of shocked me into it. I said, okay, I'll say it. Thinking to myself, it's, if it's not true, I'm apologizing up front, Lord. I don't want to do something stupid here. And so I said, I said, I confess that Jesus is Lord. I believe in my heart that God has raised him from the dead, and now I am saved. And you know what happened? The minute I said, I am saved, I knew that I knew that I knew that I was saved. How is that possible? Well, you've got an indwelling person living, right? You, there, there's a spirit on the inside of you. The Holy Ghost, he bears witness with what you say, right? And so unless you're willing, you dare to say something that's in line with, with the word, you will never walk in the, uh, what is the word, in the re reality of what God has promised you. So I needed to take a step of faith and believe, you know, and, and, and say what, what God said about me. And how many of you know that that is in the Bible? Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 and 6 will tell you this. For God has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you so that we may boldly say the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Can you see that principle? Because God has said something. Now it's our turn to say something boldly 
in line, in agreement with what he has said. That's a principle. Now, you know what most people do, including me, what I used to do is, God has said something, now I'm praying about it. If it's really true. No, 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 you don't do that. Now, because God has said something, now it's our turn to boldly say something in line with what he has said. Right? Uh, There's another scripture, Amos chapter 3 tells us, how can two walk together except they agree? With other words, if you want to walk with God, you know, if you really seriously want to walk with God, you're going to have to agree with him. You may not understand it all at first. Right? But at least begin by being a yes man. Say, yes, Lord, I, I have no clue what you're talking about, but I believe you. Isn't that right? And then over a period of time, the understanding comes. So that's where it all started. So I'm giving thanks to the Lord, right? Because he caused me to triumph in that area. I mean, I didn't understand it, but it was not until I acted on, I agreed on purpose with the word that it became... Uh, real to my to my spirit, and so you know, life moves on. Uh, you know, it, this is 1980. Actually, it happened in 1979. I got filled with the Holy Ghost. 1979, kind of the same kind of an experience. Um, you know, these full gospel businessmen, they now said to me, uh, "Now that your next step is to be filled with the Spirit." Well, I, you know, like I believed them. I thought, man, you know, you guys got me, helped me to get born again. If that's my next step, makes sense to me. So. Um, there was an altar call given. I went forward because the altar, the, the man said, if you've never spoken in tongues before, here's your opportunity. I went forward because I want to speak with tongues. Somebody laid hands on me said, now begin to speak in tongues. Well, that's why I came, you know, for somebody to help me do that. Well, begin to speak in tongues. <laughs> I don't know what to do. <laughs> so I just stood there not knowing what to, what to, what to do. And so I left. Not, not getting anything out of that meeting. And I remember driving home with my brother and my best friend who were filled with the Holy Spirit that night and spoke with other tongues. And they're talking in tongues to one another. They're actually a little tipsy. I mean, you know, that, you, that can happen. You get filled with the Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine, wearing this excess, but be filled with the Spirit. See, being filled is the real thing. Being drunk with wine is the substitute. Right, So they're talking in tongue to one another. They're having a great time. They're talking to each other. I'm sitting in the back seat of the car, pouting, wondering why I didn't get anything. And I, did, I thought to myself, well, it's maybe because I need to become a little bit more holy first. Right? That's what you do. When something doesn't happen right, you think, you know, maybe my lifestyle isn't where it should be. Right? Maybe I got to, you know, uh, you know, straighten out a few things here and there. But then I thought about it, about my brother Dick and my friend Jack. Um, I thought I'd be a little bit more holy than they would have been. Because actually, I had quit smoking that week. You know, or I'd become free from smoking that week. And my, my, my friend Jack, he was still smoking. He was filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. Can you see that? So that didn't add up at all. So I thought, well, you know what, I'm just going to go back to the scriptures, to the Bible, where, the, where it just tells us, you know, uh, it tells us if any, if any of you, you know, uh, if you, therefore being evil or carnal or natural, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So I thought, I'll just ask, you know. So I asked the Lord, 
I'm asking you to fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you. I thank you. That's what I said. I thank you that I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. And in me, something started brewing, and it caused me to speak with other tongues. Now, I thought it should have been a little bit more spectacular, <laughs> but I did it, right? And I didn't know it was the real thing or not, but I thought it's not hurting me, so I'm just going to keep doing it. And it proved to be extremely helpful over my entire Christian walk, especially going into the ministry. And that's my next step. 1980 came, uh, you know, I'm really taken off. I'm working at this agricultural college still, and I'm getting, I, you know, my old girlfriend from Holland dumped me. That's why I went back. Now I got a new girlfriend that turned out to be Chloe's mom. That's my wife. <laughs> Amen. We started dating at that time, and so my life is really taken off. And now I'm still working at the same place, and one morning I put in my time card. And uh, as I do so, I just heard a very authoritative voice on the inside of me. Now, I mean, you know, that doesn't always happen, right? You, you're led by the Spirit, but sometimes the, the Holy Ghost needs to get something across to you. And so he said to me with a very authoritative voice, I have called you to plant a different seed. And so I knew the Lord had called me to preach. Like, I just knew that, like I know my own name. And that may sound nice, but it was not very welcoming to me at all uh, because I had a very horrible stuttering problem. I couldn't talk to people one-on-one, -on -one, much less in a crowd. As a matter of fact, I'm, I'm at the agricultural college because I want to get myself into agriculture, buy myself a farm so I don't have to talk, right? I don't want to talk to people because if they find out right? Then they start making fun of you, especially when you're a kid. I mean, you know, kids are mean. <laughs> you know, I had a friend back in Holland, and I kind of cried on his shoulder one time, you know, telling him God probably made me this way for some unknown, mysterious reason, you know. But because of it, I said, I said to him, you know, I probably have an have a, uh, inferiority complex, you know. I said, you don't have an inferiority complex. He said, you're just plain inferior. <laughs> so that's my friend. <laughs> so my enemies were a lot worse. I'm just kidding. You know, I'm just <laughs> right? So, so growing up that way, I don't want to talk. I don't want to draw attention to myself. I would only talk if I would absolutely have to. You know, and then I, you know, and I would always not do well. <laughs> so, uh, so now I hear this voice and I got to do something with it. I don't want to say yes because... I'm not ready for the door that's going to be opened, right, when I say yes to it. So I'm not ready to say yes. I knew I couldn't say no because by that time I had heard of Moses. <laughs> I had heard of Benny Hinn. I had heard of Oral Roberts, all people with a speech impediment, you know. So I knew I couldn't say no, but I don't want to say yes. So at the end of the day, I said, Lord, I will do it, but you're going to have to help me. And so help came. I didn't know exactly what to expect. Secretly, I was hoping that I would wake up one fine morning and all my problems would be gone. Isn't that nice to think that way? But how many of you know it never happens that way? <laughs> it just doesn't happen. See, that'd be Disneyland. You know, that'd be somebody with a wand or so, but it doesn't work that way. But Brother Hagen came to our area. I'd never heard of Brother Hagen. You'll probably hear quite a bit uh, about him as the days go on. I'd never heard of him, 
but some well-meaning believers felt I should go. So I went. I took the day off. I went. First of all, I was really over, overwhelmed by, by the spirit of it, by the excellence of it that I saw. And uh, he preached a very simple message on a woman with the issue of blood. And he just read the scriptures, you know, in, written in Mark chapter 5, verse 25 and on, how that there was a woman with the issue of blood for 12 years who had um, sought, you know, many doctors, but she had not gotten better anything. In fact, she got worse, uh, and she lost everything that she had. She was broke all at the same time. But when she had heard of Jesus, now how many of you know, that's where the difference is, right? When you hear of Jesus and what you hear of Jesus and about him is extremely important. It can, mean, it can be a matter of life and death, right? I know many people that have heard of Jesus, but they don't recognize him as the healer, right? How many of you know he's an actual healer? He is a healer, right? He's the savior. He is the Lord. But within those uh, job description, he is the healer. That's his job. That's his role. So, um, so I'm, I'm listening to all of this. How, when she heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and she touched the hem of his garment. For she said with her mouth, if I may touch but the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up and she fell in her body that she was made whole. Jesus also noticed something went out of him. Virtue, the healing virtue of Jesus went out of him, out of his clothes. He stopped the crowd. He said, who touched me? So his disciples said, come on, Jesus. Everybody's touching you, right? I mean, some people may have touched him out of curiosity. Some people may have just kind of bumped into him. Other people probably were pushed into him. There was a, there was a big crowd, you know, that was gathered there. But out of all those people, only one woman got exactly what she came for. So that's the person you want to follow. Isn't that right? You know, I've heard many people say, you know, no, Brother John, you know, my Aunt Sarah tried that. She died. Well, okay, so I'm, I, hopefully she's in heaven. <laughs> you know, but that's not the person I want to follow. I want to follow people who did receive it. Isn't that right? You know, the Bible tells us to follow those who through faith and patience receive the promises. So obviously there are some cases that we can draw from that you can follow because you'll wind up getting the same experience if you follow that. So um, Jesus felt in, his, in himself that virtue or power went out of him and he asked the question, who touched me? And uh, I found it very interesting, you know, out of the whole group of people, only one woman received. And so Brother Hagen reads all of this to us. And he asked, he got to the place where Jesus had something to say to the woman. And he asked a question to us, to the audience. He asked us, now he said, what did Jesus say made the woman whole? Did he say, my grace has made you whole? Well, that sounded really good to my ears. That's how I thought. That's how I was, you know, trained in church the little bit I did go. I thought, you know, they told me everything is by grace. But it left the impression with me that we've got nothing to do with it. Right? Everything is by grace. You know, you're saved by grace. So if God wants you to go to heaven, then you're saved by grace. So, but it always left the impression with me, I've got nothing to do with it. His next question was, did he say, my power has made you whole? My anointing has made you whole? He said, did, did he say, my presence has made you whole? 
Well, all of that sounded really good to my ears because that's how I'm thinking. Yeah, that makes sense. I didn't have my Bible with me. But my neighbor, who that night was healed of ALS, Lou, Lou Gehrig's disease, that was a big deal in the church I was at at the time, a denominational church. He was healed that night. He had the Bible with him. So I checked over, and the words hit me like a ton of bricks. You know what happened? The, the, the revelation of the Spirit hit my heart when I read the Scripture, Daughter, your faith has made you whole. So I learned that night, yes, everything is by grace. There's no question about it. You could say everything that is a product of the cross of Calvary is the grace of God, and it is vast like an ocean. But just because it is the grace of God, just because He has provided all those things for us, does not mean it's going to automatically fall on you. Right? We, we have a role to play, and so... Jesus accredited what happened in this woman's life to her faith, making her whole. He said, daughter, your faith has made you whole. So I thought, there's my answer. There's my answer. All I got to do is use a little bit of faith, and I, be I believe that I'll be, I'll, be, I'll be healed. So the devil was right there, of course. He said, well, you don't have to worry about that because you don't have any. Has he ever told you that? <laughs> sure. Right? So, but I thought, well, at, at least I'm going to find out about it. At least I'm going to find out about it. And so I began to read the Bible in the area of healing. Healing to overcome things. Right? How many of you know there's a difference um, between sickness and infirmity? Right? Sicknesses would be things like HIV, cancer, arthritis. You know, you can die from it. You know, but there's other things like what I'm dealing with is like an like a like a weakness in your physical makeup. It's an infirmity. But how many of you know Jesus died for both? He died for our he not only died for our sin, but he died for our sickness, he died for our infirmities all at the same time. And so I began to say what the Bible said about me. I began to say loud and clear, by his stripes I am healed. I can talk. I am strong in the Lord. I have the strength to talk to one person. I've got the strength to talk to 10,000 people. And he began to say it. You know, Proverbs says that the, uh, that the strong spirit of a man will sustain or overcome his infirmity. And so I began to say those words. I began to pray in tongues a whole lot more. Right? Because it edifies you. It builds you up. It makes you strong on the inside. That's what the Bible says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of your might. And so I can't say it happened immediately, but over time, as I began to say what God said about me, strength came, healing came. Amen. And that's not just true for, for me. I believe that's true for whosoever. Whosoever will believe this, you know, can be made whole of whatever disease, whatever sickness, whatever uh, infirmity or weakness that you're that you're dealing with praise the lord so i can go on a long ways how much i how much time would you like i have five minutes five minutes let me let me give you you know like so i'm now i'm called to the ministry and i just knew where to where to where to go you know i we, we went to rama and those were all really good things you know but um very helpful things praise the lord um but, you know, I have just found it so helpful, and I'm giving 
you know, thanks to the Lord for that very same thing, right? Because those are milestones. One of the milestones that came to my life was that I decided in myself, I'm going to be, I'm going to be a prayer, right? Because I'm grown up in this brand new charismatic church now. Weird things are happening. <laughs> Praise the Lord. It's exciting. But we would often talk about prayer, and we always would say things, or not, not we, I wasn't part of it yet, but people that I heard, they would say things like, we should pray more. We should pray more. Something would happen, and somebody would say, and everybody would agree with, we should pray more. And I joined the choir, and I said the same thing, we should pray more. But after coming back from a conference with, with Brother Hagen, you know, where the anointing was just so strong, I wanted to take that home with me. And I remember thinking, how do I take this home with me that it can impact people's lives? Like, I wanted to cut it out and put it in my back pocket, but you can't, right? It's, it's, it's a spiritual thing. And the closer that we got to my home, to back home, the more desperate I became. I said, you know, I don't know how to do this. Like, I want this, and I want to take it home. So... I asked the Lord, what do I do? So he just simply said, be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. And I remember coming home and people wanted me to testify at the time, you know, what happened to you? They wanted to hear me testify about how Brother Hagen probably laid hands on Ingrid and me and we fall under, over under the power, you know, we, we were in heaven for three days and heard you know, amazing things of what Jesus would tell us. That's what they were waiting for. And so my testimony was, yeah, we learned a lot. I said, the biggest thing that I learned though was to be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. And the excitement that was in the room, way, way up high, all of a sudden left the room and it went down in the basement to, what? I could have told you that. As a matter of fact, my, my pastor told me that on the way home. He said, well, I could, you know, why did you have to drive that far, right? I mean, I could have told you that. That's James chapter 1 and verse 22. Yeah, but I said there's a difference between a man telling me that and God telling me that, right? Because now I know, now I know, like, I have to do this. If I want what I saw, I'm going to have to commit to something. I have to do something. So I, I decided in my heart. I'm no, I'm no longer going to talk like everybody else. I should pray more. I'm going to do it. So I asked for, um, so I asked for the key to the church. And my, my pastor was more than happy to give me the key because, I mean, hey, it's a great thing to have somebody pray. And I would just pray and pray, pray in tongues especially. And people would ask me, do you get anything out of it? I said, well, no. I said, except a dry mouth. That's what I thought. But you know what? While I'm praying in tongues... You know, I get all these wild thoughts about going into the ministry, going to, at the time it was going to Rama actually, uh, about starting churches, about missions, about doing things in the nations. All the stuff I'm doing now, I was praying about back then in the early 90s. How many of you know that's the Holy Ghost's job? It's His job. He will show you things to come, right? That does not just mean He'll show you the end times. That's true, true enough. But He'll show you things about your own personal life that are for tomorrow. So that got, after a while, I'm paying attention. At first, I'm not paying attention because I would write it up, well, that's just too good to be true. I'm not even sure. I don't even know why I'm thinking that. But there's a reason that I'm thinking that because I'm praying out the plan of God for my life. 
Amen. And we've seen those things happening over the years. I remember praying in tongues, and I'll tell you, I'll close with this. Praying in tongues, I mean, you know, that's very important because you, you can pray to the place that you get inspired to give the interpretation. So I gave the interpretation, and it was real powerful to me at least. There are places to go. There are people to see. There are things to say, and there are things to do. So I thought, yeah, that's, that's good. I walk away from the prayer room. I got back in the natural, right? You, that's what you do. And I thought, well, everybody's got places to go. <laughs> everybody's got people to see. Everybody's got things to say. Everybody's got things to do. So what's so special about this? But I became more and more aware there are divine appointments. Did you know there are, there are people that you must meet in your life in order for you to go to the next step or to for the next level yeah there are divine appointments there are people in your life that you must meet so i became conscious of that very much and so one day my daughter-in-law uh, jamie she was not my daughter-in-law at the time but she came home and she had been on a mission to india and africa and um, she said i've been everywhere where the lord told me to go except one place which is gulu uganda now the minute she said gulu uganda something dropped in my spirit and I just knew like I know my own name I must go to Gulu Uganda I never heard of it so I googled Gulu <laughs> and I found out it's kind of a wild place you know I don't want to go into details but it's a pretty wild place actually I phoned my team uh, in Uganda they set something up we got there everything fell apart <laughs> something dear God that I hear right right I mean I have a team with me of not a big one, but six or seven people. And uh, so everything in Gulu fell apart. And I'm thinking, oh man, like how am I going to tell these guys? Because they spent some money, you know, to get there. I built it all up. It's a dangerous place. So yes, we got, we're going to do, do some mission work. You know, we're going to spend some money. We're going to do all of this stuff. Now they spent all the money and I've got nothing for them. That's an awkward feeling. So I went to them and I told them what just happened, what I just heard, that everything we planned has fallen apart. So they had, thank God, they had a good attitude. Thank God they didn't, you know, take me out of the city and stone him. <laughs> thank God they had a good attitude about it. You know, they said something, well, you know, at least we can still go one on one. Yeah, which we can. We would have done that anyway. Right. But now the, the, the main reason why we're here is gone. So as we're talking, these two big black Uganda guys walk in. They see us. We were not difficult to pick out, right? They look around and say, oh, there they are. So they came up to us to our table and asked a question. Are you guys from Canada? Are you from Canada? I said, yes. Um, so he said, would you be willing to help us? And he explained the situation. They have some miracle uh, campaigns coming up uh, uh, tomorrow afternoon and the, and the day after uh, but the speaker who was supposed to come from the United States wasn't able to make it. Can you come and do this for us? So I said, well, yeah, we'll, we'll no, I said, <laughs> I said, oh, I said, we'd be more than happy to. And so out of that came two brand new churches. So it was a much bigger deal than we originally planned. But during the time, something else happened that was really special to me personally because we were staying at a hotel and uh, there was a lady behind the desk 
And she asked me to write down my name and the name of my team members to, to register. As I'm doing so, I just asked her, you know, as I'm writing, I asked the question, do you know Jesus? She went like, like this to me. She said, I don't want to know you. I don't want to know you, Jesus. I'm a, I'm a Muslim. I said, well, I'm not here to fight about that. I said, but I said, and I said it by the Holy Ghost. You know what's going to happen to you? You know what's going to happen to you? Jesus is going to come to you and he's going to make himself real to you. You wait and see. So she rolled her eyes at me like this, like, oh, I'll be, I'll be waiting, she said. And she was very sarcastic about it. So I left and we did some more work the next day, which is a Sunday morning. I got up early to get ready for my messages. And so I grabbed myself a cup, a cup of coffee. She was the manager of the hotel, so she was making breakfast for people. She saw me coming up getting myself a cup of coffee. She came up to me and asked me, can I have a cup of coffee with you? I said, sure. So we're sitting down over a cup of coffee, and this is what she said. She said, last night a man dressed in white came to me, and he said to me, child, follow your heart. Do what your heart says. She said, she asked him, who are you? He said to her, I am the living one whom you say you don't know and don't want to know. But I have always known you and soon you will know me too. Have you seen those people? And he pointed in this dream or a vision. She didn't know exactly what it was. Uh, she said, he pointed at my team and said, listen to them. They're of my kingdom. And he left. He was gone. So... I, so she asked me, so what do I do? I said, well, um, I said, first of all, the man you just met, uh, that's, or they met last night, that is Jesus. I'm, I'm the one that told you about him, you know. And uh, I said, you may recognize him as in, your, in Islam as a prophet, but he is so much more than a prophet. He is the Lord of the human race and that God has raised him from the dead after he paid for our sin. And she said, I, I believe that. She said, I believe that. So I had a great privilege to introduce her to Jesus as her Savior. She became filled with the Holy Spirit right there. Spoke in tongues. Helped us lay hands on the sick. The next, the next day helped us with another uh, mission. A couple of years later, Ethan was on that trip at that time. And, uh, you know, and through another miracle, she was able to move to Canada even. So those are all really good things. But all I'm saying with it, it goes right back to simple things of committing to something, of praying. You know, like I, I, I committed to praying, especially praying in tongues. The interpretation came, places to go, people to see, things to say, and things to do. So out of simple things can come something pretty, pretty significant. Because out of that story came something else even bigger yet. In the sense that, you know, now I have a heart for Ethiopia. I found out she was an Ethiopian who was there as on refugee status because she fled the country for many, many reasons. I went to Ethiopia a couple of years ago um, and we wound up preaching to an entire Muslim village. I told her the story, you know, not only the story about Jesus, how he died for our sin, but, you know, one of your own, one of your own Ethiopians, one of your own Muslim people met Jesus. So... To make a long story short, an entire Muslim village turned to the Lord. Amen. So I believe we're living in exciting days, right? Uh, in exciting days in which we will see many, many, many things taking place, right? Uh, the first message ever spoken, ever preached was a message of the supernatural, right? Your sons shall uh, prophesy. Your old men shall see visions. 
Uh, I will pour out of my spirit your servants and handmaidens. They will prophesy. I will show signs in the heavens. Amen. Blood, fire, vapor of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness, the moon into, into, into blood before that notable day of the Lord come. Sounds like judgment, but if you read the next verse, and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's a, it's a, it's a revival scripture. So that's the days that we're in. We're not living in days of judgment. We're living in the day of grace with great revival taking place. And I believe that's where you're here. Amen. You will see a major shakeup. <laughs> Amen. Shaken, taking place in the coastlands in a good way. Praise the Lord. You know, that will show that God is still the king. He is still moving, especially in the coastlands. Amen. So thank you so much for allowing me to share with you, um, you know, some victories that I'm giving thanks for. Amen. And I believe you'll do really well as a church and hope to see you back sometime. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you for listening. We trust that you've been encouraged by the message. Please consider leaving a review and subscribing to receive new content. For more information about Redeemer Coast, visit www.redeemercoast.com or find us on social media where our handles are at Redeemer Coast. Until next time.